0: Welcome to Writer's Digest Presents, hosted by the editors of Writer's Digest, this monthly podcast features conversations with writing and publishing experts whose insights will help ignite your creative vision, hone your skills, build your platform, and get your work out into the world. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Writer's Digest Presents. I'm Editor-in-Chief Amy Jones, alongside Senior Editor Robert Lee Brewer, Managing Editor Mariah Richard, and Editor Michael Woodson. This is the final episode of Writer's Digest Presents for 2022, but don't worry, we'll be back in January. So this episode, we wanted to do what lots of people do at the end of the year, and that is to reflect on the year that we've had. So hello to all of you editors. Let's talk about the past. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We don't really like to play favorites here at Writer's Digest. I mean, I... We get to work with so many fantastic writers and authors, um, but inevitably some project we work on, a project or an article, um, becomes especially meaningful to us. So I'd like to start by sharing some of those experiences. Um, so this year, I, the November-December issue is on stands currently when this episode airs. And for me, that was a huge deal. I um, got to interview my favorite writer, um, my favorite living writer, Ian McEwan. and that was sort of a um, a moment that had that brought together something like 12 or 13 years worth of yeah. <laughs> um, study and being a fan and reading literally everything that, Connected to Ian McEwan, um, I started that research. Well, I, I read my first Ian McEwan book, I want to say, in like two thousand five, but then really studied him when I was getting my um, master's degree. And when I was doing the research for this interview, um, I found a whole binders worth of papers that I had written and. Clippings that I had saved from <laughs> New Yorker magazines from two thousand eleven or whenever um, that I just I had kept just in case it would come in handy, and um, finally it did. And to be able to sit down and talk to him for um, for an hour about his new book was something I will never forget. That wow. was a really special interview for me. Um, so that was my big special project for this year what about the rest of you
1: well i've got to say for me it was probably you getting to have that interview (laughs) (laughs) i think it made the whole team very happy because we all it wasn't a surprise to any of us what a big deal that was um at the time um i also think is probably interview related like my, my favorite, uh, moment of the year. And before I really get into that, I, I do want to touch on, um, maybe my favorite project is one that's been ongoing for a while now. That's our author spotlight series on uh, WritersDigest.com, because every week we have like three to five, sometimes even more authors that we spotlight. And it's just always so fun to hear what the writing process is like, what the publishing process is like, and all the different takes that you you would think after a while, you'd, you'd just run into the same answers every single time. But, um, there are always like little differences and, um, we run the gamut from debut authors to bestsellers and. Uh, a variety of genres Uh, it's just a lot of fun Uh, so so that project's always like up near the top for me Um, but then for like my my one special project was um, earlier this year interviewing Susan Cain about her book uh, Bittersweet and um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later in this podcast but um, uh, it was a, a great treat to get to talk to her. I'd known her, uh, previously through her book quiet about, uh, introverts and introversion. And, um, it was personally like a very helpful book for me just to like, Mm. feel like being an introvert, isn't something to be overcome as much as like, it's, it is like a superpower, which, Mm. you know, I think most introverts kind of feel that way, but then like when the world's constantly trying to make you extroverted, uh, or tell you that you need to be extroverted and overcome your introversion. like it's nice to, to have all the studies to back up like what a great thing it is to be an introvert in this world. So uh, so that was a great joy for me personally was to, to get to talk to Susan Kane about uh, a range of topics as well.
0: That's really fantastic. and I feel like now I need to go read the quiet book.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: So I guess I'll go
2: next. Um, I put two things on my list uh, because I, I was telling Michael earlier, like if I don't limit myself, I could just like go on and on about everything that I love about my job. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but this year is the first year that we started the Building Better World column in the magazine. Um, that had been something that I was able to do online for a little while. Um, and then it moved to its new home in the magazine and getting to see people's reactions to that um, as they would get their um, issues you know, delivered to them. They would tag photos uh, on Twitter. They would tag me in these photos and it was just really neat to see um, what people liked. And then kind of in the same vein, um, getting to interview Tiffany D. Jackson for our September, October cover interview. Um, she's somebody who I've been a fan of for like many, many years. And like, sometimes I just have these like moments where I'm like, that's really my job, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I think, uh, and I know that you guys can relate to this. Like we spend so much time as fans, like after we hang up our editorial hats and, you know, we, shut our laptops we are reading and we're Mm -hmm. geeking out about you know these people that we really look up to um and then when we put our editor hats back on we have to like kind of be their peers which is still so weird to me (laughs) Um, but she is just like an absolutely wonderful person um and she and i both really love horror and getting to talk to her specifically about that um was a really great joy that I don't think that I will forget for a long, long time.
3: Oh, wow. Um, I have two uh, specific ones and then just one general one. Um, I love talking to Grace Lee about her debut Portrait of a Thief for our -hmm. first book club uh, selection. um, I think it was over the summer. Mainly just because I love talking to, debut authors about um, their work because they are so green and enthusiastic. And that's just like exactly the energy I need to pursue my own writing. Um, I loved talking to her. And then uh, we've mentioned the November, December issue, but I, I, and it's not a project of mine, but I do think we just ended the year with that issue like so strongly. I, I really love the November, December issue. I think that covers so many different um, types of writing and genres and topics. And, um, I just loved reading that, which also just made me my more general, uh, piece, which is that this was my first like full year with the staff. I started in the summer of 2021, but, um, I just feel so lucky to get to like touch so many different parts of our, um, brand. Um, cause it just makes the job endlessly exciting and, um, never really the same thing every day even if it's you know like Robert said we have so many author spotlights that are going up and I'm every single time I see that I'm putting one up I get enthusiastic about it because it's not the same every time like it's a Mm -hmm. completely different author talking about a completely different book Um, and so that's just kind of the more broad thing is just Mm -hmm. engaging with our audience and um, uh, other readers as well it's just been a joy.
0: Yeah, I think what both of you, Michael and Mariah, said about like sort of this is our job. (laughs) How lucky (laughs) are we to be able to do this um, day in and day out? Um, Mariah, you're right. The idea of taking off your editor hat at the end of the day and going back to, you know, just being a person who appreciates these writers and the skill that they have and then putting it back, putting your editor hat back on the next day and talking to, um, talking to them about how they accomplished what you were just fanning about the night before is, um, it's just, it's a really special thing to be able to do. Um, I I don't think we could be any luckier. So something else that I thought was, um, really special this year was returning to in-person events. We finally got back to New York City for our annual conference and to California for our novel writing conference. And for at least two of our team, that was, it was the first time going to our conferences in person. So I wondered um, what your favorite part of either one of the conferences was and what will you remember from those events? So I, there are two moments, I take that back. There are three moments that stand out in particular to me, but. I'll let someone else go first this time. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: um, Maybe one of our first time editors. Yeah, okay. Did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I, well, like my like third day on the job was um, our virtual conference. And um, I was because of that ill prepared for what it was like <laughs> to be in person. Cause I was like, well, that was a breeze. And when <laughs> it got to going to annual, I cannot I don't know if I ever really shared this, but I was so nervous to go for a couple of reasons. One, because I was so desperate to like do a good job, and I was very nervous to to represent us poorly. And um, almost instantly, that went away. And I think part of one of my favorite things was just getting to work with the, our team in person and in a very specific way where we're like really hustling, where we're like f- like truly uh, watching each other's backs, where it's like. If we need help in a room, if there's like way more people suddenly in a group text, suddenly four of you are coming in with extra chairs to make sure that it like it can, it can happen. And it was just like, gosh, this team really works hard. (laughs) Um, and I loved, I really just loved being there. And I was the whole weekend getting really emotional, just in terms of like sitting and watching these brilliant authors give really thoughtful advice. Watching the people get something out of it. And then all, me also getting something out of it. Um, I, I I look back on that time of being so nervous. I talked to my husband about this all the time. Because I, I was I was like pain, very, very nervous. And then that night in the hotel room, he was like just relieved that I was. He was like, I'm so glad that you were having a good time. Because I was nervous that you were just going to be crying the whole time. And I was like, no, like this is a blast. Like I don't want to come home. <laughs>
2: I think my experience and your experience are like very similar. Um, If you don't know this, listeners, Michael and I are very similar humans, (laughs) just in terms of like things that make us anxious and and things that we really love. Um, And I agree that like the top of my list was getting to meet everyone in person. Um, And like, of course, yes, our team, but also there are contributors that I've been working with now for two years who I have only ever spoken to via email Um, or like I was able to interview Whitney Hill for um, when she won the uh, self-published ebook competition a few years ago. And I've spoken to her, like uh, I interviewed her for this podcast, like we've, we've talked more, but that was the first time I saw her in person. Um, So it was just really exciting to be able to like, see everybody in a different context than just like, hey, hope this email finds you well.
3: Right. <laughs> um, it often and... didn't this year.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for me, um, like something that I was like, horrifically anxious about texting my spouse about was I <laughs> ran the um, panel discussion with our debut authors. And for some reason, like just the thought of like having to do that was like, like very much stage fright. Like that's the kind of anxiety it was, Um, even though like I used to stage act and like I would always get nervous and then I'd love it as it was happening. And it was very similar. I was like super, super, like I was shaking beforehand. And then I went up there and just we just had a blast. And the conversation went in really interesting and surprising directions. And I just feel really lucky for um, the people who wanted to participate in that panel and were able to come. Um, and then my number three, I put down our keynote speakers mm-hmm. um, because like, I thought I knew what it was going to feel like to sit in a room with all of those writers and listen to these people um, like tell us their experience with publishing and give us advice and, um, but I truly was like not prepared for it, and on the the third day, um, like Tiffany D Jackson was our um, final keynote speaker for the conference, and I literally was like weeping in the back of the room just because, like, I think all of the emotion of the entire event kind of like snowballed into me, and I was like wow. Like, it's yeah. been a long time since I've been able to be around that kind of creative energy. And, um, you know, just everyone there was so excited to be there. They wanted to learn, they wanted to help. Um, and it was just a really wonderful experience. And like, I'm already looking forward to next yeah. year's annual because of
0: it. I have two quick things to say. Um, in response to that, number one, you did a fantastic job moderating that debut author panel. I sat in on that session and um, really enjoyed that conversation. And you were not the only one sitting in the back of the room crying during Tiffany (laughs) D Jackson's (laughs) closing keynote. Um, Hearing her journey from being a person who like sat in our literal seats as conference writers, digest conference attendee to being the keynote was Mm um that moment. was a that was a great moment yeah
1: yeah I I was totally tearing up during her um uh, both as like a fellow writer but also as somebody that's worked on the team for so long um to to know what kind of impact um that we have because um, we're we're all writers we're all in this together Um, I, I think, uh, there's, there's a few moments, um, more than a few moments that really stood out for me. Um, but one of the biggest was just being around writers again. Yeah. Uh, I've been to many events over the years, but since 20, I, I think I did an, a small event in January or February of 2020, uh, locally. And it wasn't until we went to New York that uh, earlier this year that I had been at a writing event and we had done things virtually. And like as an introvert, like I'm totally fine with that. And, uh, you know, I I get uh, nervous about travel. I get nervous about being around strangers. Um, So like there was part of me that was thinking, do I really even want to go to a live event and be around people? I'm not sure that I do. But then once I was around writers, like I didn't realize how much uh, my soul was missing just being around writers, other people that uh, many of them introverted like I am, many of them always reading and writing, and that's what they care about. Um, you can know, like in the real world here where I live, if I say I'm a writer or editor, people's eyes gloss over <laughs> and they're like, you know, they're, they're not into it. Yeah. Um, so just being at an event where everyone there cares about the things that I care about, like, uh, I didn't realize how much that was missing yeah from from my soul and like I, I would advise any writers that like over the past few years you have the same feelings i had before the event uh if you're questioning whether you need a live event and this isn't even saying like that you go to the writer's digest one if it's like a local conference or semi-local uh conference i i would urge you to go because it really um just on a human level meant a lot to me And I think Tiffany Jackson's keynote at the end just, like, tapped into that feeling that I'd been feeling the whole time we were there in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I felt it again once when we went to the Novel Writing Conference in um, Pasadena. Just, you know, it was a different vibe. It's more laid back than in New York. But um, just being around the writers again, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like... (laughs) Like i don't want to travel and stuff but like if i could do this like every month <laughs> uh somehow if it could just come to me like like i would love it um <laughs> just to be around you know other writers and editors it, it does uh and, and this is as a very big introvert saying this like it, it just feels really good uh to be around everyone um but uh as far as like uh other moments, like specific moments, it was really nice to like, as, uh, you mentioned just being able to meet some of our contributors again, some of these people, like I've met before and like, it's just good to actually talk and, um, you know, just, just be able to see like, uh, Jane Friedman, Bob Eckstein, uh, yeah. just be able to like, actually, uh, Sit there and, and talk in person, uh, but then maybe the the biggest uh, moment for me, and, and this is kind of personal, is uh, my daughter's favorite author was at the novel writing co- conference, uh, Kr Alexander, who writes horror, uh, mid grade horror fiction, and uh, it was really cool to be able to have my daughter's like favorite, like absolute favorite author there get autographed for, send her pictures. She was so excited. K.R. Alexander was so excited that she was excited. (laughs) So uh, that was uh, a really uh, big moment that also uh, just made me feel good as a a parent as well.
3: awesome.
0: I love that that was able to happen. I think Mm -hmm. that's so cool. Um, And I will echo your sentiment about, like, Anxiety or nerves before going to the conference and thinking about like this is a lot of people. I haven't been around that many people in years. Since <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> do I remember how to like function as a human being in front of <laughs> people <laughs> and um, not my cats? Because that's those are very very different things. Um, but you know, it was so great to be back, like you said, among writers and like-minded people who have shared interests with you and be able to talk about that thing that you love for the entire day, um, which is something that, you know, like we sit here and slack with each other about our jobs, um, yeah. slack the app, not slacking on our jobs, <laughs> um, but to be able to be around all of those people who also feel the same way. Uh, it was really fun. I was going to share my two favorite. Yeah, or you know, of course. Two or three favorite things about the conferences. Um, we had booked Beverly Jenkins to be a keynote. I want to say, or we had been talking to her about being a keynote for something like three years. I think the first time I emailed her was 2019 and to be able to finally wow. meet her after all that time. And have her come and um, represent romance novelists to the entire Writers Digest community was um, was fantastic. She yeah. did not disappoint. I think she's just a powerhouse of a person, and I love that she um, loves her genre so much, and that her message to all of the writers was, you know, write what you love, and don't mm-hmm. let anyone shame you for writing what you love. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that was a that was a great way to open the conference I thought. Um the other moment that was meaningful to me was being able to being able to interview Marlon James which is a sentence that I don't I never expected to say because the idea of interviewing anybody on stage in front of hundreds of people is probably one of my worst nightmares <laughs> as an introvert like that's what I in addition to just being anxious about being around people that many people um, after years um, interviewing an author whose work I've respected and looked up to for I think the I was introduced to Marlon James I think in 2011 um when he was in Dayton for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and have been following his work since then and to be able to talk to him about how he crafts these huge worlds in his books um and do that in front of people was mm-hmm. just really cool but also Mariah to your point about stage fright I'm just really glad that I survived that <laughs>
3: You did an exceptional job, though. Yes, you did. Well, thanks. Yeah, I would not have had any idea that you were nervous.
0: Oh, I was so nervous that I had stopped shaking. (laughs) Like I had been shaking so much and then I stopped because I was too nervous to shake. (laughs) So I mentioned earlier in the introduction that this was like the first year of our podcast. And we had been talking about doing a podcast for... I want to say as long as I've been with writer's digest, um, and probably before then. So I wondered what has been the most fun or exciting part of having this podcast to each of you, Robert, this was sort of, you'd been talking about the podcast for a long time. So maybe you want to go first.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing that I I really enjoyed and, and I'm sure like everyone else feels the same way. Um, it's just really been fun to have a reason for us all to talk, not about just like work or you know, talk about the thing that we care about. Like we we all we're all writers, and in addition to being editors, and um, it's great to have a something that forces us to just sit down and talk about uh, the things that we care about, which is uh, you know different topics about writing and uh, reading. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I think, um, for me, uh, I feel very similarly. I, I love having a, an opportunity to talk to you all since we are not in the same office and, you know, we're all in different parts of the country at this point, being able to sit and uh, have conversations with you and learn, um, what interests you about writing and editing, um, And have that be useful, hopefully, to other people as well uh, has been a lot of fun. I think the other thing that I really enjoyed, and Michael alluded to this earlier, is I love our Writer's Digest book club. (laughs) I think it's so cool that we get to um, – that we can pick a book that we think is really well written and talk to the author about how they did that, sort of deconstruct it. I think that's an interesting way to – um, to, to focus a book club for writers. Um, so more of that in 2023, for sure.
2: Yeah, I agree that, um, I think our conversations, like our editor chats are some of my favorite parts. Um, I think it's because like, it's different than other times that we meet to chat because we're usually like more focus on like the mechanics of editing. And here yeah. we're, uh, we're allowing ourselves to be like a little bit more creative, a little bit more um, like the writers we are. Uh, and we get to nerd out about stuff, which is like my favorite thing to do. Um, but I also really love that we include other industry professionals. So like, not just authors, but agents as well, um, we've had on the podcast. And it's always interesting to hear, um, you know, Different sides of this industry, um, what people are interested in, what they're thinking about, um, what what makes them excited, um, and I'm really looking forward to doing more of that next year.
3: Yeah, I really love the podcast. Does feel like an intersection of us as editors and us as readers, and they in um, I think we get to be naturally like less edited as we're talking. So it just feels more, there's just more, um, yeah, there's more creativity naturally in our conversations. I love these chats. I love our editorial roundtables. Um, but I really love, I really love the book club. And um, mainly because I'm I'm in a book, book club as outside of um, work. And I'm always reading something that I was not on my radar um, in my book club, which is my favorite thing about my book club, and that has been true too with our uh, Writers Digest book club, is that we're we're doing genres that um, I, I th- just not aren't generally on my radar, and so it's just like uh, making my reading branch out, which I think is only helping my writing, uh, and it's just I think a great example of that. This truly is like a dream job situation because I I'm just getting to learn so much every day that is helping me personally. Um, and it's what i do it's just my profession as well it's just bananas
1: yeah and i do want to add uh, personally um, one of the things i love and this really doesn't benefit our listeners but our (laughs) conversations before and after we hit record (laughs) uh, there have been some really interesting uh, moments on that and uh, i started thinking about how that's another benefit of going to a conference is that you can have some really interesting conversations with fellow attendees uh presenters um the people who are hosting it uh, things that you you never think you would talk about and uh, things that may go into a story uh, in the future
0: yeah i feel like there have been lots of uh Behind the scenes conversations about ghosts yes. before and after yes. recording our podca- <laughs> podcast, <laughs> which I yes may or may that. not some, some appear trouble in the story. sleeping
3: afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, I add One more thing, and only viewers of the podcast on the on YouTube will will know. But I also one of my favorite things is the intermittent. Um, four-legged friend that joins the podcast every so often. (laughs) Any one of us, but Uh, usually it's a Mm -hmm. cat or two.
0: (laughs) Oftentimes it's Millicent. Um, (laughs) In this episode, it would have been great if it had been Bryony because I named her after a character in an Ian McEwen novel (laughs) (laughs) because I'm that big of a fan. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) tell him that though.
3: (laughs) Oh, you should have. Why did you not tell him that?
0: Um, he writes some books about stalking and characters being stalked and I didn't (laughs) want to.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. You don't want to be inspiration. (laughs) I
0: don't. Not in that way. (laughs) Um, Michael, you kind of mentioned this, you know, about being around what writing all day and helping with your writing, like outside of Um, work. And I wondered if we could get you know, personal about ourselves as writers for a minute and ask about your year in writing. How do you feel about the writing that you've done or not done this year?
3: Um, Personally, I feel like I've just learned a lot about how to make my writing better this year. And in ways that like I just was not really ever um, letting myself approach because I was just so married to like how I like to write and the sentences I like to write and the way I like to write, I'm never going to change it. Cause that's not the problem with my writing. Um, and over and over again, just learning that like, there's just ways to make it like even stronger. And I was just telling my writer's group this recently that through work and because we get to cross genres and I'm learning things through genres that I don't write in is just making my writing better and um, just making me less attached in the best way to what I'm working on so that I can just let it sort of like come out of me instead of, um, like from me in some way. Like I, I, I feel in the, like, I just feel more confident in moving forward with what, um, I choose to write, uh, more than, more than anything. Cause I do, I, I feel, um, I've I've like literally written more in other years than I have in this year. And I've done just a lot more editing on my writing this year, but obviously I think that counts. Um, But I don't think I could have gotten there without what I've learned this year from other writers that we work with.
1: Yeah. For me, like, I feel like, you know, uh, we've mentioned this being a dream job and I've been working with writer's digest for like 22 years or, about when this episode drops. And, um, and I still feel like it's a dream job uh, becomes more so um, every year. But uh, one of the great things about this job is that I get to write uh, as part of my job, I get to write stuff yeah. for our website for our magazine. And uh, Nonfiction. Uh, I get to do a poem each week for our Wednesday uh, poetry prompts. I in April and November, I get to write a poem a day and call that my job. Um, and uh, one of the really special things this year was uh, doing Mariah's uh, flash fiction challenge in February, and that helped me uh, unlock. Um, and and start to get to know people in this uh, town that I'd been creating this world around since like 2016. So, uh, but I'd been creating this world and, and all these ideas for it and, uh, but like all the doors were locked to get into Mm -hmm. the town and and get to know the people and uh, Mariah's flash fiction challenge. Uh, specifically really helped me start to unlock some of those doors, get to know some of the people. And um, uh, that's been really great for this year.
2: Yeah, kind of going off of that, um, since I wrapped up the Flash Fiction Challenge in February, I have not written anything, anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm actually feeling really good about that. Um, I've been having lots of really good ideas and I just sort of jot them down and let them sit. Um, and otherwise I have been reading a lot, um, and reading in a way that like the past couple of years, I feel like I've been focused on like my backlist books. I've been focused on reading things that are kind of like, Oh, you haven't ever read that before. Like you got to read this book. Um, And then also reading like brand new releases. Um, But this year I have started to reread a lot of books that I haven't read in in many years, but I greatly loved. Mm. Um, And a lot of that has been like genres that I have sort of fallen out of touch with. Um, Maybe other people who have gotten MFAs will, will commiserate with me, but like, certain programs um, discourage certain genres. So I kind of stopped reading a lot of YA and a lot of romance. Um, And I have gotten back in touch with my love of those genres. And I'm just like having a blast reading things many years later and seeing these books that I love from a very different perspective. Um, So I think like in in a way that is going to make me a better writer, even though like it's one of those weird things where my spouse totally doesn't get it. (laughs) He is not a writer, Um, but he's like, how can you be writing when you're not writing? Like when you're not sitting at your desk, typing words out, how are you writing? I'm like, well, there's a lot of different factors that go into being a creative person. And to me, reading and letting ideas mature before I approach them are two ways that creativity thrives in me. So, like, maybe next year I will get a lot of words on the page and I'll do NaNoWriMo and it'll be great. (laughs) But this was not the year to do that. Uh,
3: Well, I agree with you completely, though, Mariah. And I'm glad you're bringing up reading as, like, a strength this year because it also has just been – this is the most fulfilling reading year I've had in years. And part of that is because of, I also changed, uh, you uh, are saying you like reconnected with genres that you used to love. Mm-hmm. I just changed my goals this year. For, so at the end of 20, what year is it? 2022?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. yes.
3: Okay. At the end of <laughs> 2021, I had decided to stop like tracking my reading in terms of uh, like books read, like number of books read which works for a lot of people, but I've just learned it does not work for me. I don't engage with the books as I'm reading them because I'm so stressed about, I have to finish up by this date so I can start the next one to finish up by this date to reach my goal. And it took me forever to figure out why I just wasn't engaging with the books that for every reason I should be loving. And then I just made the conscious decision to stop doing that. I don't. I like forget to update my Goodreads all the time and just like spend as much time with the book as you want and and just really, truly read it and read the books that you want. Because in doing that also, I was avoiding books because they were too long and I would get off of my goal, you know. Mm. And um, so all year I've just been um, not really worrying about how many books I've read. I don't know how many books I've read this year. And it has been, I've learned so much from reading this year. Um, And I I just feel really connected to the books I've read this year more than I have in a really long time.
0: Uh, Mariah, you mentioned... NaNoWriMo and um, we are recording this in the middle of November, a little bit before the end of the actual year. Um, But I'm actually doing NaNoWriMo this year. Oh yeah. I think like I have said that I wanted to do it for the past two or three years and in fact like when I logged into my account I had started challenges Mm -hmm. and they (laughs) had like zero words attached to them. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But I feel like I've, I've, I don't feel like I know I've actually been writing this year for the first time, like creatively writing fiction for the first time in years and Mm -hmm. years. um, It feels like I've been sort of sitting back and absorbing all of this stuff for so long. Um, And I kept saying like, oh, I really want to, I want to write again. I want to write again. And I and I didn't for whatever reason. And then there was some, some idea that just stuck with me Mm -hmm. this year. And um, I didn't mention this when we were talking about the conferences, although I should. Um, It came to me sort of between our annual conference and the novel writing conference. So I decided when I went to novel that I was going to pretend I didn't work for writer's digest and, attend it as a writer, Mm -hmm. um, which meant like participating in the sessions the same way everyone else did. And it was incredible. (laughs) I had such a fantastic time. There was, um, there were several workshops that sort of, um, freed my creativity a little bit, but the one on the last day with Georgina Marie, it was improv for writers where she takes these, um, improv techniques that are used for stage and comedy, and she's adapted them for writers. And we were doing these exercises and we had to write. We would She would give us this totally weird, random idea uh, prompt, and we had literally one to two minutes to write as much as we could, whatever we could, the first thing that came to our minds. And that was such a wonderful exercise for me because I... Have always been so very in my head with writing that I will compose these sentences in my head. And unless it's perfect, I don't write it down, which means I haven't been writing <laughs> to me. I haven't put anything on the page and nothing ever gets beyond an idea. But that workshop really forced me to um, think about what I was writing in a way that's, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind might not be, um, the level that I want it to be in terms of quality or, or idea, but putting those first words down can lead to an idea that does resonate or Mm -hmm. a sentence that does feel good, um, to me as a writer and retaining that thought process as I've been participating in NaNoWriMo has been, um, I don't know kind of a game changer for me wow. I feel like I like writing again um I'm trying not to judge myself I don't know what I write in nano isn't nece- isn't going to be you know a thing that I put out into the world but maybe it will lead to something that that Absolutely. I do mm-hmm. later on you know um so that was it's been kind of a big year for me <laughs> in that way
2: that's awesome
3: yeah I'm glad for you
1: yeah thanks that's great
0: And it's made me excited for flash fiction February Um, because (laughs) (laughs) it also like having one just one or two minutes to write something really fast, like write a story or an idea in that time. I can do that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think that's what really unlocked it for me. Um, I tried doing nano in 2021 and um, just start to like the idea starts to get kind of big. Uh, when you're thinking about, you know, when you, when you're, uh, using like a running analogy, thinking about running a marathon sounds really intimidating because it is. <laughs> um, but, you know, running t- you know, five yards down the street, like I could do that, you know, um, right. and, and then stop and catch my breath. Um, and so that's one of the things I really like about. Uh, Mariah's flash fiction challenge was every day. I'm actually limiting myself, uh, write less than a certain amount of words per day, and and in a way, like that opened up a lot of doors because it's like I'm keeping it short, you know. So, I am also looking forward to doing that again. uh, (laughs) I am as well,
2: (laughs) yeah. No no pressure, (laughs) yeah, right. I I've actually like um, I've been thinking about it and this is just one of those things like if you know me you know that I'm always thinking five steps ahead in like every aspect of my existence, but I have (laughs) been already thinking about flash fiction February and um, for those of you who haven't participated before I will put up a prompt at the beginning of the day, but I will also uh, have an example story of my own. And I was kind of like, how am I going to make it more challenging for myself this year? Because this will be the third time, I think, that Uh I'm doing Mm it. Um, And I've just been really, really inspired by Ran Walker. And I think that I'm going to really challenge myself to write like 50 or 100 word stories. Um, Because sometimes my like, even though I know it's flash fiction, like Robert says, the idea just starts growing. And so yeah. um, all of those stories that I post for that challenge are first drafts, um, but a lot of them end up feeling like beginnings of longer pieces. So I'm really trying to, um, to like really dive into that flash feel. And if I can do that in 50 or 100 words, like I think that will help me when I revisit uh, flash pieces that I've already written and I need to take them from like this feels like a beginning to like, this is a complete story um, all on its own. So hopefully you guys will join me
0: (laughs) this February. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned Ran Walker and him inspiring you with the 50 and 100 word stories, because that's exactly um, the approach that I was thinking about for that challenge. And it's because, you know, I sat in on his micro fiction class Mm -hmm. at, annual and have read his articles about it, that there's something about that challenge of um, making a full story in that very specific word count that is um, really enticing to me.
2: And he's also a master at it. Like if you ever need to analyze someone's work to study Mm -hmm. it and figure out how to do it yourself, like I really highly
0: recommend him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he the. This is getting ahead of ourselves, but his um, collection called "A Burst of Gray." It's a novella made up of one hundred word stories. It's one hundred, one hundred word stories, and it is just one of the coolest books um, that I've read. I, the The structure of it is fascinating to me. And what he a really lovely title! Yes. Um, okay, well, since that that wasn't one of going to be one of my book recommendations for this episode, but Michael, <laughs> you mentioned that this is, you mentioned that this was a great reading year for you, yeah. and um, it was for me too. I read a lot of really fantastic books, and I don't think we've done an episode of this podcast where we haven't recommended <laughs> um, books for our listeners to read. So, I'd like to ask what some of your the favorite some of the best books that you've read in 2022 and um, in the spirit of the idea that a good book is a good book, no matter when it's, when it was published, um, it could be backlist titles or books that came out in 2022 that um, you're really excited about. Um, And I will not go first because I have a lot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind going first. Um, I limited myself because I think, I also had a really really good reading year. Um, I will just say to our listeners um, if you ever want to know about books that are coming out that I'm super excited about always check out the breaking in column in the magazine. Um, Every issue I feature three books that I just really think everyone should read. Um, And off of one of our I've I was talking to Michael about this earlier. I was like, I had to force myself not to do just like breaking in (laughs) authors. Um, But I did pick one uh, because I really think like, when I look back on this year, I will be like, this is the year when I first read The Hacienda by Isabel Cáñez. I think that it is, even if you don't like horror, like this is a horror for you. Um, It is just extremely beautifully written and it's spooky without being like, Uh, triggering in the way that I know that some other uh, genres of horror can be. Um, Also, Lizzie Blake's Best Mistake by Maisie Eddings. It was her um, second release. Um, She was on the podcast earlier this year talking about her debut book, but this is her second one. Um, And it was just a joy and also really, really excellent non-romanticized uh, writing of a character with ADHD, um, which I found very refreshing. And uh, for Poetry and Yet by Kate Baer, um, I made the mistake of reading it on an airplane and I was like sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just like so emotional. And I feel like um, personally, like I read it at a time when I really needed to read it. Um, but I'd recommend it like, again, even if poetry isn't really your thing, I really highly recommend checking it out. Um, because I think that sometimes when we dismiss certain genres, we, we lose something, either something that can be gained like emotionally or something that we can gain for our own writing. Um, and I just think like, if you don't read her, you are missing out. (laughs) (laughs) And I have one more. Um, my last one is. Uh, like, more of kind of, like, a, a personal surprise for me. Um, it was Expecting Better by Emily Oster. Um, so, we are expect in our household, we are expecting our first child, and this was a non-fiction book that my spouse really connected with, um, because he does, like, he's a lobbyist, and he does, he analyzes data, and, like, when doctors were telling us information, they would say things in very general terms. And he was immediately like, no, I need that in percentages. Like, you need to tell me like, is that like 78% effective? Or is it like 99% effective? Because like highly effective doesn't work for me. Yeah. So this was a book that we read together. um, And it Gave us like a lot of really good conversations that we could have a really like broad understanding of um, like what pregnancy is like here in America in our healthcare system, which I found to be really fascinating. Um, and again, it's like one of those weird things like I have been recommending it to um, my female identifying friends who are not pregnant because I'm like this like we were not told these things as we were like in our high school health class. Why did we not learn these things about ourselves? <laughs> um, so it's just like really opened my eyes in a lot of way. And it's also just like really fun to read. She has a really great voice. And if you love audiobooks, she reads the audiobook herself. So yes. I, I do recommend that.
0: Very nice. <clears throat> and congratulations, by the way.
2: Thank
3: you. <laughs> um, well, I have three that uh, were published this year and one backlist that I reread this year um, to recommend. But we also have in our November, December issue, we have some, rec- or is it November, December? Have recommendations from all yeah. of us mm-hmm. of certain mm-hmm. books. Um, and I believe Kate Bear is in that as well. She's a um, contributor in that um, issue, right? Jan Feb. Right. Jane yeah, Yep, the upcoming one.
0: Um,
3: Well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, the first one I have is called The Swimmers by Julie Atsuka, which with a gorgeous cover. And I was really surprised by this one. The first half is written in second person, I believe. And then the second half is written in third person. It's Hmm. a teeny tiny little book. Very sad, but um, really really good especially if you're a writer looking for like different writing styles to learn from i highly recommend this one and then another one is companion piece by ali smith she is one of my favorite authors she wrote a um, collection of books called the seasonal quartet um, autumn winter spring and summer and then published this one i think a year after two years after the last of those came out as sort of a companion and if you are looking for intentionally timely books beautifully written I highly recommend them um and then my third one that came out this year is just by looking at him by Ryan O'Connell um a really really good queer uh very contemporary novel and then the backlist book I brought and I brought it because I don't know if anyone else feels this way but there is a um, portion of time in COVID that was like the worst for me personally. And I'm sure there's a worse for you personally for each of you that you couldn't pay me enough money to convince me that I read certain books. Like I have no <laughs> memory of that time in my life anymore. Okay. And, um, for exciting reasons, I reread uh, real life by Brandon Taylor and, um, I it felt like I was reading it for the first time. Like I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> Why don't I remember any of this? Um, I was like, oh, I was reading it at the darkest period of my life. Um, and so like, I recommend like, if you are a reader, and that reading is a comfort for you, and you were doing a lot of that during a certain time, like maybe reconnect with those books and see what you get out of them that is different from then because it really truly feels like I read, I read it for the first time and it is just such a stunning debut. Yeah. I
1: have to say, um, during the darkest points of COVID for me, I was doing a lot of rereading of things because it just felt comforting yeah. to, to help Smart. Get me through <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah. So I was just going to mention, uh, the title that I'd highlighted in that uh, November, December issue, though, I thought I, I might add another one as well. Um, but uh, uh, that title was uh, Bittersweet, How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole by Susan Kane. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one that I, I wanted to interview her because of her earlier title, Quiet, about introversion. But, uh, and I loved how that Uh, book was very engaging and at the same time like shared like the data and the science and all kinds of different reports that like kind of back up things in addition to like these very personal uh, stories uh, of uh, introverts but then in this bittersweet book uh, kind of the the whole premise of it it well the idea for the book uh, started off not as Susan Cain wanted to write a book, but just thinking about the idea of listening to bittersweet music, um, and sad music, even when you're in a good mood, uh, she shared the anecdote of, um, when she's in college, like friends saying, you know, why are you listening to this really depressing song, you know, like (laughs) what, what's wrong, what, uh, but uh, she really dives in deep about like how these bittersweet, whether it's music, art, uh, these moments like kind of speak to our souls and can really make, uh, or at least some of us feel good. Like even when we're in a good mood, listen uh, to to some of this, like kind of sad, sad music or uh, bittersweet uh, art, um, things that uh, kind of transcend. And then she not only talks about it uh, on a human level, like how it makes us feel, but then like really gets into the art side of it, which I also found really interesting uh, as a writer, uh, reader, um, person that, Consumes art at museums, um, watches you know, just just every every part of aspect of it. Uh, so uh, that that was, uh, was a really. I, I figured it would be a good book just because I enjoyed Quiet, but like it ended up being uh, very uh, fulfilling, and I think any kind of writer artist uh, should pick it up and check it out as well. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and then uh, the other one I wasn't going to mention, uh, but decided to, uh, and this is reading outside of my genres, was uh, I mentioned earlier getting to meet my daughter's favorite author. uh, But, you know, as a parent, like one of the things I like to do is uh, when my kids are reading things, read it as well to to understand what it like, just even though I know I'm going to interpret it a different way than they do, just to have an understanding of like, what what is it that they really like to read like what what are these stories and uh so uh reading scare me by um care alexander middle grade horror and i could immediately see why she, my daughter liked it and i liked it as well is that uh the protagonist um sets up these every halloween sets up uh like a scary um uh, like a a haunted floor at this, uh, local museum space. And they have like kind of a competition with that. And, uh, for our family every, uh, year in October, uh, though we missed it this year because, uh, two of my kids got the flu (laughs) right around Halloween. They both had to miss trick or treat, but, uh, we always do this haunted garage where we uh, decorate and we do uh, a ghost walk in our neighborhood where we tell stories, scary stories uh, with the neighborhood kids. And um, uh, anyways, so Scare Me by uh, K.R. Alexander, that was also like just a fun read as well.
0: I love that there's that connection between what she finds appealing in the story with um, part of of your real life, of her real life. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I have a stack, um, so I'll try to <laughs> not get uh, too in-depth with them. Um, my first one is How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu. Um, it is listed as a novel, but when I read it, it felt more like a collection of interconnected short stories. Um, it It is a pandemic novel, not our pandemic, but... Um, in the premise is that climate change has um, melted the permafrost in Siberia I want to say and a uh, virus escapes from fossils that are that have been well they're not fossils but remains that have been frozen in time for millennia um, and it sets off a worldwide issue and it follows um, different characters in each of the stories over the course of hundreds of years as they reckon with um, what has happened. And that sounds incredibly dark, but there was a lot of hope and imagination and exploration. I think it was just a really creative book and, mm. um, think it would be classified as like speculative literary fiction. But um, the way he tied the end to the beginning was, I think, just masterful. It was um, a really fascinating read. And not at all like our pandemic. So no fears there. My second one is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda Morris. Um, we had Wanda teach at a couple of our conferences, including the novel conference in California. And this was her first book. Um, and there was a whole lot of hype around it. It won a lot of awards. It was nominated for a lot of awards and, um, it, it lives up to the hype. It's just a really great, um, crime thriller. Um, the characters are flawed, but you're rooting for them. Uh, it's really dark. You could see it actually being a thing that happens, and um, and I loved it. I thought she did a great job, and I immediately bought her second book and can't wait to read it. Uh, my first one, third one should be no surprise to anyone, Lessons, by Ian McEwen. <laughs> um, I will admit I had kind of a hard time getting into it at first. The opening was a challenge. The premise was a challenge for me. Um, it's about a, a guy who is reflecting on his childhood. And in his childhood, his teenage years, he is at this boarding school and during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and he thinks there's going to be a... <laughs> he thinks he's going to die in, in nuclear warfare. And so um, he has an affair, which is not an affair because it's very, very illegal with his, um, piano teacher who was an adult and he is 14. And that is the open, that is like the premise of the book. And he, it follows him throughout the entire rest of his life into his seventies, um, and sort of how those formative years impacted the decisions that he made, um, and impacted decisions that were made for him over the course of the next, of those remaining decades. And um, as a fan of Ian McEwan's writing, I think other fans of his writing will really, really appreciate this book because it felt like the culmination of all of his other writing came together to form this story. Um, You will find hints and echoes of his short stories from when he first started writing in the uh, 1980s to um, the themes of some of his more recent books like global warming with his book solar or um, you know a reckoning like with atonement so it's um, and then it deals with you know actual contemporary issues like brexit and covid because he was writing it during those times um, and it is set in our world. So it was, it's worth getting past those first few bits. And then I'll go through these next ones really quickly. Our Country Friends by Gary Steingart uh, is a, another pandemic novel set in our pandemic, our COVID pandemic, but he's such a funny writer. He treats it um, like really humanly, but with humor. And, um, it's about a group, uh, it's about a writer who lives in sort of upstate New York. And he brings together a group of, uh, friends to sort of ride out the lockdown with him. Um, originally he wanted all of these little houses on his property to be sort of a writer's retreat and (laughs) that is not what they end up being used for, but it, um, it's a really great humorous read. Don't Cry For Me by Daniel Black is a, um, an epistolary novel. It's a series of letters that um, a man is writing to his son from whom he is estranged. Um, and it, it's, you will cry. Mm. It is um, sort of a story of a, a father asking for forgiveness for the way he treated his son. Very, very backlist. The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, I love his writing and for some reason I had never read this book I purchased it when I worked at Borders (laughs) which was uh, at least well they closed in 2011 so more than a decade ago and um, it's been on my bookshelf ever since and I'm so glad I read it because it's just I understand why it won the Booker Prize it's a beautifully written book and I love uh, Ishiguro's tone that he uh, has throughout all of his works. My very, very last one. I'm sorry. I'm currently reading less is lost. Um, I was very hesitant to pick this up, but I bought it the weekend it came out. (laughs) Um, I loved, I still love less by Andrew Sean Greer. It is one of my all time favorite books. Um, it's just so heartwarming and lovely and funny, and I was really worried that um, a sequel, a subsequent novel, wouldn't live up to that and my feelings for Arthur Less that I got with reading that first book. Um, I have about thirty pages left to go in this one, but so far it is—it's um, holding up to to my oh, wow. feelings for the first one. Um, He just—it has the same tone and the same feel to it. Uh, Arthur's still a goofball, (laughs) like a very heartwarming goofball, and um, yeah, I'm really glad to be back in his world.
3: Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. I have that too, and it's Mm -hmm. on my TBR, and I've been very nervous to start it because Les is truly one of like top five favorite books of all time Mm -hmm. for me.
2: Yeah, Um, it's so funny because like I'm in the same boat, so like I'm happy one of us is finally reading it. (laughs) <laughs> so that they can tell the rest of us, like, no, it's okay. You can go ahead.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want to make a quick clarification. As I mentioned, the swimmers, I could, I felt like I was saying it wrong. The first part is in first person plural. The second part is in second person.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, boy, whoever uh, puts together the links for this episode's show (laughs) notes (laughs) you're going to have a fun time oh it's end of the year I I should be responsible for that since the majority of these are mine (laughs) well it's been um, a lot of fun talking with you all about um, the year 2020 it sounds like we all had a pretty amazing time I think it's been a great year for Writers Digest and um, for all of us and I hope it is for all of our listeners too For this episode's writing prompt, um, I would like you listeners to take a moment to reflect on your writing life in 2022. I think it can be really easy to see what went wrong or what didn't happen, but for this exercise, focus on what went right. Make a list of the things that you're really proud of yourself for, even if it's something that seems really small, like, I wrote that one really great sentence that I'm proud of, or I learned something new you're going to do this without thinking of goals for the new year or what you could do better or what you would like to have done. And instead write about why these wins, no matter their size are important to you. Thank you for listening to writer's digest presents. If you had a great experience with WD in 2022, we would love to hear about it. Uh, We would also like to know what you'd like to see more of. So email us at writers.digest at aimmedia.com to share your story or ideas. We will be back in 2023, but in the meantime, you can always find us at writersdigest.com and on social media at Writers Digest. See you in the new year.